How's it going, Grow Solvers? Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Talia Toha. If you guys are new here, welcome. Welcome to the Good Grow Great Podcast Great Lengths episode. And today, the Great Length episode that we wanted to talk about, our life here is not just work, right? How can you actually weave in a work that you don't have to escape from? And this is something that I think conceptually we're not being taught this too, too much. So today we want to talk to Simon Kither. And Simon actually went from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and safaris in Kenya to being a music producer and audio engineer at a major commercial studio in Australia, one of my most favorite places on earth, of course. And also he is a former lecturer in audio engineering. Now he is though, is, is on a mission now to build a like-minded community with his new brand, Vast Expeditions. And Simon had shared with us what it really takes to do your own work, which of course in his case uh, involves taking a shot or a videotape while everyone, literally everyone around him was watching, right? And how to kind of reconcile with this uh, fear of judgment, right? When you're doing something that maybe you're 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 starting and you're new at right for for you guys who are maybe listening how does this look like and how can you reconcile with this and also secondly he's also sharing the detour that he took into one of the most competitive industries and how he survived it and how you can also survive something that was completely unexpected and also he's sharing how to tell a story so that others would listen. Now, this is, I know a lot of you guys are really, really passionate about this. So I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Make sure, though, that you follow and subscribe because this is the episode for you. Bruce Solvers, let's do this. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Amazing. I love it when somebody comes from Australia because A, they're either going to sleep or they are just waking up when we're chatting. (laughs) In your case, you're welcoming the morning, so go you. (laughs) Absolutely. High energy here this morning. (laughs) I hope you have your coffee because that's crucial. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, we've got that happening already. Absolutely. Amazing, amazing. So I actually want to start, Simon, with your travel, some of your adventure, just kind of in the outdoors, because this is an episode surrounding that topic. Uh, I want to talk about, maybe let's start with Kilimanjaro, or maybe any other places that really strikes a chord with you. Uh, Where have you been recently, or maybe, I mean, pre-COVID, obviously, but where have you been that you kind of go... I can live here, this is gorgeous, and on and on and on. Uh, Well, it's funny because a lot of the more extreme expeditions we do aren't necessarily livable places. So if I was going to live anywhere other than Australia, it would probably be Hawaii, uh, which has an amazing amount of day hikes with those like really knife-edge, ridge-top mountains that kind of run through the whole island. But... um, you know, my favorite expedition that we've done recently would have been um, obviously pre-COVID before the end of, just before the end of last year, um, in Mount Kilimanjaro, which is Africa's highest 
freestanding mountain. And uh, that one is my favorite, mainly because of the sense of achievement and just the mm. sense of awe that you get while you're completing this hike. I mean, every, t- every step you take, you're getting a little bit closer to a mountain that is the highest you've ever climbed before. So that sense of achievement is real every single minute of every single day. And it's just, it's really an overwhelming feeling to be completing something like that. Yeah. So what did you do in Kilimanjaro? Was that like uh, from base to summit? Because I know some people haven't climbed Kilimanjaro. I haven't. So what's, what's that like? It's, um, it's actually not that extreme. So you start, uh, we started at Londrossi Gate and that's because there's quite a few different routes you can take to get to the top. So we t- took the Lamosho route for anyone listening at home that knows the different routes. Um, and you start at something like 2,000 metres above sea level. So it actually starts quite elevated. And then by the time you get to the top, it's 5,895 metres. Nice. Um, in saying that, it's actually almost like a walk in the park the entire time. It's, <laughs> it's really quite, quite easy. If you're, not, if you're used to hiking, you'll find it almost exactly the same as just any regular hike in a slightly mountainous area until you get to summit night. So... Summer attempt is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. So it kind of goes from this gentle stroll. uh, That's how we found it at least to summer attempt. And now it's getting incredibly vertical. You have one kilometer of elevation change from base camp to summit. And it's also the highest and coldest and um, less, less oxygen environment in the whole trek. So apart from that one night, the rest of it's pretty, pretty chill. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, nice. Okay, that's good to hear because sometimes you hear about all these, you know, the, the highest peaks or the highest whatever. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that it starts at certain levels already. So maybe the journey isn't even all that bad. And sometimes in certain, I think, more touristy areas, I guess they have all the amenities and they kind of have help totally. in some ways, right? I think it, that's definitely true of Everest which um, I've been hearing from people is, is kind of like that now where it's, it's a production now and definitely not a secluded area anymore. And uh, so that's, that's interesting for sure. And you also went to, you, you did some safaris as well, right? In Southern Kenya. What's that like? What's that like? Uh, You kind of have to, when you're over there, I don't (laughs) think you can go to East Africa and not, go on safari i think you'd be doing yourself a massive disservice so i mean the trek to up kilimanjaro takes eight days and uh you're normally pretty energy zapped after that so the the general uh you know schedule that most people take is doing kilimanjaro heading over to zanzibar which is a beautiful island off of the coast of east tanzania and then going on safari afterwards and that's exactly what we did so we're down in the masai mara which is i guess one of the world's most famous uh, reserves for seeing big cats. So we saw like leopards and lions and things like that. And that honestly is like living out a childhood dream because these are the things (laughs) you're learning about as a kid. You might even learn that little L is for lion, you know, and um, (laughs) and then you're seeing these things for real and it really feels like you're in some sort of movie or cartoon or something. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that these animals are uh, living in the wild and they're right next to your car and you can 
Yeah. You can almost go out there and touch them. Not that you would, but they're that not, close. Or <laughs> not that you should either, right? So, and I've heard that this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that you would be an open, kind of open top, I guess, jeeps you know right like so you're not really all that covered and is that because and i don't know if your tour guide shares this with you is that because they the animals look at the car as as a single animal or beast or what is that yeah about? yeah yeah no that's exactly it so i think they just look at it as a as a giant animal and they're like i'm definitely not going to go after that the only thing the only animals that do definitely challenge you as a land cruiser are rhinos and elephants and if you jump on Google, you'll be able to find a thousand videos of cars getting <laughs> charged by these animals. And the uh, driver just has to be very, very good at putting the car in reverse and oh going as God. fast as they possibly can to get away from. <laughs> so funnily enough, those animals are the most dangerous when you're safariing around Yeah. Well, I heard two other things. Like with the other one, uh, the other thing that kind of scares me a little bit about those safaris is that I've seen videos that's circulating where the animals, I, I don't know if they're lions or tigers, but they, they managed to open the car door, you know, and right. then, and they're that smart now. And, and so in those clips, you see the person who, who's taking the video, they're like panicking, they're like quickly locking the door. Oh, and uh, yeah, that would be terrifying. for me. Yeah, I can't imagine how scary that would be, because you do like on your first day or the first couple of days, the novelty is very real. Like you, you can't, you can't believe you're there. And then, you know, halfway through day two, day three, day four, you're kind of getting used to it. So yeah. I can't imagine the sheer sense of terror and jumping out of that mindset you get as soon as that car door's open <laughs> or a cat actually comes into the car somehow. Yeah. I have seen videos of Kruger National Park, which is in, um, I'm pretty sure it's there in South Africa. Yeah. a little bit more touristy and the cheetahs actually do jump on top of the the roofs of the open face land cruisers it's yeah it's pretty it's, intense it's wild and i also i've also heard that and i don't know if this is true in your safari but i've also heard that bathroom breaks is a little bit tricky right because you're <laughs> in these uh, trips for hours at a time and there's not really a, a place to go to the bathroom so that's uh yeah that's that's also one thing that's one deterrent for me anyway <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so funny because if you do need to go to the toilet, you kind of just go outside, which we're totally comfortable with. I mean, if you've grown up in Australia and you go anywhere in the outback, that's kind of the same rule out there as well because that's no true. one's around. There's yeah, no bathrooms anywhere. But the difference is Africa has top apex predators and yeah. you've literally seen them no more than 20 minutes ago <laughs> eat, eating a, a buffalo, you know, and then yeah. uh, the tour guide's like, yeah, just jump out here. It's it's." <laughs> And you're like, but it's only 200 meters away from where the lions were. Like, why is this part safe compared to anywhere else? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very strange feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Literally, just, it is just, wild. Just do it quickly and get out. It's basically oh, yeah. what it is. Absolutely. So, so is, is the love for, I guess, outdoors, is that something that you've always had when you're a kid? Uh, obviously, growing up in Australia, that's definitely a privilege that you get that beautiful nature. But Or is it something that develops over the course of the years as you get older? For me, um, I mean, as you said, it's a massive privilege to live in Australia because you have access to such beautiful parts of the world. And if you have, if you're lucky enough to have parents that enjoy traveling, it's very easy for them to take kids out to these places and really give them 
I guess an education in in the outdoors and why it's so important and that's what I had growing up so every year would go on a family holiday they'd pull me out of school for a few weeks or, or a month and would go see a different part of Australia so by the time I was 20 I'd seen I guess well, I'd been to every state in Australia, which isn't a, a huge uh, achievement compared to America. <laughs> you know, there's only yeah, there's there's only, uh, so many. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, um, but that sense of, of wanderlust and that sense of travel was deep-seated in me as a kid. And once you get that autonomy and independence as, you know, someone that's leaving home, the sense of exploration only heightens. And you're like, what else is there in the world? <laughs> I've seen Australia with the family, like where else can I go? And then you start to realize how different cultures are in different yeah. countries. And it just opens your eyes to that next level, especially somewhere like Africa. I mean, I know we're talking a lot about Africa, but it's so different. Like it's so, so different. And that culture shock doesn't, the novelty of that never fades. Yeah. So, so the sense of exploration and the want to keep exploring different places only gets stronger, I think, as yeah. you get older. Yeah. So speaking of, um, and I love that you shared that. I think everything, whether we realize it or not, it kind of starts from definitely an early age. And if it's something that we kind of cultivate over the course of the years, it's still, there's all these pieces in, in our lives that in some ways contribute to whatever it is that we're doing, right? Um, one of which for you anyway, is your passion for music, production, and audio engineer, right? And you are a uh, or you were and you can explain this to me a music producer at mm. a major commercial studio in australia and you're a former lecturer in audio engineering uh, at uh, sae institute so <laughs> i always kind of associate uh lecturers because i have families and friends who are academics and mm. it could be different in the music industry. I always think of them as all these scholarly bookish people, which <laughs> you're clearly not. But so talk about that experience a little bit and what, uh, what brought you to studying audio engineering? I guess um, <laughs> when I was younger, I had a lot, of, a lot of different jobs and they were all just to make money. And when I say a lot of different jobs, like I was a yacht broker for a while. And if you know Adelaide at all, you'll know no one's really buying yachts. <laughs> it's not something people do. I was landscaper. I built swimming pools for a while. Like I tried a bunch of different jobs and none of them were that great. So, you know, after a few years of this, I was just like, why don't I try something that I'm actually passionate in? Yeah. Although I was passionate in traveling the outdoors, I didn't really understand what a career path there was yet. So... I decided to like dive headfirst into music and it turns out that it's one of the most competitive industries, <laughs> certainly in Australia and I assume the world. And I just, I knew I had to really up my game if I wanted to make it um, uh, in any way viable as a career option. So that was my life for, for a good, you know, three to four years straight while I built myself into something. And now yeah. I've been doing it for 10 years and yeah, yeah, I'm still doing it, which is, it's really cool. So I guess you could categorize my life at the moment as half music and half uh, producing films in, in the outdoors, which yeah. is a pretty, pretty lucky spot to be in, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine that that's probably more interesting than yacht brokering. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what was that? I've, I've actually, I mean, I've heard of yachts and, and that's definitely a whole segment. I, I think I know somebody from way back who 
is a yacht architect. I don't know, or a oh, wow. boat architect, I think, mm. right? Those giant boats and they, they, cre- they design it and everything. And that's my first foray into uh, that world. And I, I didn't realize that that's a whole segment, which of course it is, right? Um, and uh, so I'm glad that you're here with us and you're, that this is your thing. Otherwise you might be, I don't know, with suit and, suit and tie somewhere on, on a yacht I somewhere. Know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That that's that was my fear, and I think that's what drove me to music in the first place. I was like, I don't, nothing wrong with accountants, but it's not for me, you know. No, yeah, there, and there, I I wholly agree with you. I think there are definitely people who thrive in that envir- environment, and that's great. Um, but uh, you know, same as you, that's definitely not for me at all. And um, so I want to talk really briefly and segue uh, into your. Uh, your first season and uh, is it a YouTube series that you created that has now picked up uh, a TV rotation? Yeah, that's right. So we're we're very, very young as a brand. We launched in June of this year, which is like peak COVID time. It seems crazy to launch a travel brand, but we had plans to launch it this year anyway. So we were shooting, shooting um, episodes all through last year and the start of this year. Um, with the plan to launch a, a 10 episode season one. Um, and really the thought was, I just wanted to build this and in 20 years, look back at it and be super, super proud of something that I had created. And that was the main driving force. And after 10 years in the music industry, I've seen people go for commercial success as their driving force, which works really well sometimes. And a lot of the time, not so great. Yeah. And, and the art suffers. So yeah. I really wanted the art to be centric. And to be honest, it's just heightened the fun factor of this whole process so much more. Um, unfortunately, COVID cut our plans a little short <laughs> on the 10 episodes. So we ended up getting only six episodes out. Um, and Still then I a kind huge of just, feat though. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, we were traveling anyway. So the difference is having a camera in your hand and explaining what you're doing looking like a goof in front of everyone else <laughs> that might be on the trail. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so we, I was sitting on the episodes for, for some time thinking, is this the right time to launch? Mm. Should I hold them back? Are people wanting this content right now? Because I don't know if you remember when COVID first came out, but it was kind of like the world was going to end and everyone was yes. going to die. It was pretty, pretty serious for a while. Yeah. And of course it still is, but not to the degree that the fear had at the start. So yeah. There was a lot larger concerns than me climbing mountains <laughs> yeah. at the start when we were planning on launching. So I held it back for a few months. Yeah. And then Australia, um, and more specifically where I live, South Australia, we're actually, we're open and we're kind of normal again now. So yeah. people are traveling again. And um, I saw that shift happen and I launched it kind of just before that that started and Australians are big time travelers they love getting outdoors yeah and um people are still a little bit indoors and still wanting that content but they're looking to plan their adventures at the same time so it was kind of like the perfect timing for me to to put it out there for sure and I love that you went for it I think there's that kind of mentality right like you mentioned when Mm. COVID happened I think there's that 
there's definitely for a little bit, I, for sure, for a couple of weeks, people kind of froze for, for a little bit, right? Because we're like, well, what's going to happen? Nobody knew. But I think once one month hit, two months hit, three months hit, then people started going, okay, this might be a new normal or whatever. So I'm so glad that you went for it. And I want to talk a little bit more on you know, your approach, and you talked about the art and the creativity aspect of creating this series. Um, mm. So let's talk about that. But before we do that, I actually want to touch upon your win and getting on the TV rotation. So and I'm sure lots of uh, the audience would love to kind of hear how did that come about? Did you did that kind of come organically? Did you reach out to somebody? Walk us through that a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty Cool. It's pretty weird to see yourself on TV. I don't watch TV ever. I mean, you can see this giant screen in the background, but well, I don't. We don't use it, and we had to actually get a um, an antenna connection just to watch ourselves on TV, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Um, but I I did reach out to the station, and I was kind of like, hey, we've got this, we've got this series we've made. We feel like the tourism sector's been hit really hard during COVID this year. Um, a lot of the episodes were centered around Australian treks that we had done. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our stations over here love to support local things that are around the area. So we're like, look, we've featured this many in South Australia. We've featured this many in Victoria, this one in New South Wales. We feel like now that the borders are maybe starting to look like they're opening up a little bit more for us this would be a fantastic way to bring attention to these areas. And I know that these local more rural areas could really do with the tourism and they, they went for it. So we definitely went for a, a more, um, you know, promoting the local areas that were in approach and trying to make it seem valuable to more than just us. I suppose. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that that's what you're highlighting because I think it's important. And I talk about this so many times on the podcast with so many guests as well. And the guests have definitely agreed with me as well in that whenever you put yourself, your content, whatever that you have to offer out there, it is so important. Yes, you do have your own values, everything, but it is also so important to kind of look at things from their perspective and what will benefit them, which is exactly how you landed this win is because you thought about, okay, what would they be wanting, right? And then like, what would the people watching the t you know, TV be wanting? And I think that's absolutely a marvelous approach. And um <laughs> And I want to kind of touch a little bit about your, you had mentioned earlier how you were, you're filming on trails or whatever when you're out there and there, there are people all around uh, you yeah. and then <laughs> kind of that embarrassment factor or just self-consciousness yeah. factor. How do you go through that and how do you get over just kind of the feeling of, oh, I'm going to make myself look like a fool or whatever? Oh man, it's, it's a real <laughs> process. It's, well, I, you know, I've, I've got quite a large advantage in the fact that I've been in the music industry for so long. So I've, my whole job is recording moments in front of other people, whether it's myself or the artists I'm working with. Yeah. Um, that's compounded by my time as a lecturer, like being a lecturer. So speaking in front of either five people or hundreds of people or whatever it is on a daily basis, you know, having to present information two to three times, uh, two to three sessions a day. So I'm pretty used to looking like an idiot in front of large groups of people. 
So that definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what? The, if anyone's looking to start something like this, the biggest piece of advice I can give someone to get over that awkwardness is to go out and do it, be awkward for that first bit, but then bring it into the editing room and notice that it's, it's really just a matter of what you're saying to the camera because the people that are watching the video can't see everyone else around you that is, is feeling awkward. They're not going to feel the awkwardness unless you're kind of portraying that out. So even if it feels weird to explain where you are on the day, when you actually get that back to the editing room, it's so important because the yeah. viewers don't know where you are. They don't know how you got there. They don't know how you're feeling. So yeah. it's, it's important. And it's funny that you say um, you should offer value to the audience that even finds its way into the editing room as well. You should really value your audience's time. So if something is benefiting you or your ego by keeping that 30 second scene in there, but it has no value to the audience, you, you should definitely cut it out. Like you don't need a one and a half minute intro, for example, if it's not valuable to the audience, get rid of it because get they've got a thousand other things they could be listening to or watching or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 I always talk about, and I think this is getting more and more true these days. I feel like there's a three second fish brain nowadays that we, when we're scrolling, right. It's the kind of, it's kind of the scroll problem. You look at things. It's like literally just seconds. If it doesn't grab your attention, it doesn't really answer some problems that you have. It's not going to, they're not going to engage with that, which is so, so interesting. And I love that <laughs> you kind of pointed it out. Those people don't know everything that you know, what's going on. And most people don't really pick up on the awkwardness, right? So I think I love the idea of growing up in the public. And I think particularly for, you know, business owners out there, audio engineering or not, so mm. important when you're just like, starting out i think there's a lot of that fear of like well what what will my parents think what will my family think what will you know my former colleagues think right so Absolutely. i love that that's kind of something that okay we need to just put this put it aside most people are not even paying attention and let's just move on which is amazing so uh let's talk a little bit about your new venture congratulations as i mentioned earlier simon had just launched vast expedition so tell us a little bit about your new project here yeah, so it's all about um, really displaying multiple day treks in a very detailed way and in as high quality as we can possibly manage while climbing mountains. It's not like we're bringing RE cinema grade cameras up to the top of Kilimanjaro, but we have got, um, you know, 4K cameras. We've got actual um, external microphones. So we're trying to bring a real sense of quality to places that it's hard to get quality footage in and mm. explain what you can expect on these treks because I've seen a lot of different travel vlogs, I suppose, but we're trying to bring a cinematic quality and also an information sense to it where you can actually watch one of our videos and kind of know exactly what you need to bring in your backpack and what you need to leave behind. And I think that's the real valuable thing because if you've ever done a multiple day trek, you know that one kilo feels like a thousand kilos <laughs> yeah. after a few days. So if we can show you what to expect on those treks, um, hopefully you can leave behind something that you're planning on taking that you absolutely don't need. Um, maybe it will help you with the logistics um, side of your planning for that trip as well. And um, even more importantly than that, it's just a, a fantastic excuse for my partner, Rebecca, and I to get out into nature. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, film the experiences and things like that. So 
I mean, there's quite a, quite a lot of selfish <laughs> intent yeah. behind starting a brand. But like I said to you before, we really wanted it to be valuable to an audience too. So whether it's our Instagram feed where we've got, you know, just photos from the treks or whether it's our YouTube series or now, now it's on TV, it's all about um, education and ins- inspiration or motivation to go out to the places that hopefully you want to go out to too. For sure. And I like that you kind of structure it that way. There's a, an informational quality to it where people are, uh, I think there is a lot of confusion, especially in the outdoor space where, oh, what do I bring to go to that? And you have to do like hours and hours of research. So I love that you're doing the work for your audience, right? Mm. While inspiring them, telling a story. And uh, like I said, I want to touch a little bit about your process, your kind of creative process, telling that story. Because as I understand it, when you're kind of creating a clip or any video, you have to make choices, right? You mentioned editing room. And so for people who are curious right now, whether they're vloggers, bloggers, YouTuber, uh, authors, right? Speakers, what do you, uh, how do you kind of go through that process? What's important to include? Is there a logic behind, behind this goes up front? You know, is there a buildup? Like, can you walk us through that a little bit? And I think the audience would love that. Yeah, absolutely. So everything that I do is based on storytelling, even the Instagram feed, even the singular photo. And I know that a lot of people say that and it, and it really explains absolutely nothing. So to go a little bit deeper into the exact structure of maybe an episode, I always have like a really, um, almost like a tiny blockbuster trailer of what the episode's going to be like at the start because people do have that uh, fish brain as you were talking about earlier. The attention span is so low. So I want to make sure that in the first 30 seconds of the film, they understand that there's something worthwhile watching because some of the episodes are 30 minutes long and that's a lot of time for someone to spend with us. So in the first 30 seconds, they need to make sure that they're actually going to be uh, engaged enough to continue on. And then after that, it, it's literally about setting up the premise, just as you'd two hour film. It's about setting up the premise, having some sort of uh, tension or difficulty about two thirds of the way through resolving that difficulty and then um, coming to a really nice uh, climax, at climax and resolve for whatever tension you had there. So to put it in terms of like a mountain climbing sense, mm. the best way I could describe it is um, having a short little blockbuster trailer at the start and then explaining to everyone, hey, we're here, Mount Kilimanjaro. It's going to be an incredible eight-day trek. Personally to me, I've always wanted to do this kind of thing. So you're setting up how it feels to be on the mountain, all that kind of stuff, a little bit about what gear you've got, how the location looks, and then you want some sort of tension and they will always come up naturally when you're in the Mm. outdoors. So the difficulty for me on Kilimanjaro was I was starting to feel just the slight effects of altitude. I was getting, um, uh, this is pretty gross, I apologise to all the listeners, but (laughs) I was getting a little bit of diarrhoea and on a trek you really don't want that. It makes things even more difficult and you portray that like these are awkward moments that most people don't want to film but you actually need to feel more in those moments than than ever before because people want to know how hard it gets and it, and it creates that tension that you need to yeah. create an interesting episode so once you're over that difficulty the climax climax for us is normally reaching the summit of the mountain 
and then all the difficult stuff is over and you can go downhill and it's all like a happy ending. Yeah. So if I can, if I can tie that into every single piece of content that we put out, that's kind of the ideal thing because I think humans naturally like to see mm. another human overcome something that's very difficult. And yeah. if you can fit that whole story inside of a 20 to 30 minute episode or a 30 square Instagram uh, collection or feed, that's, that's ideal. And I think people get, get on board with that storytelling. Yeah. And I love your kind of synopsis there because yes. And I think this is probably true for people who are, I think this is true for any kind of any type of content that you put out there, whether it's written, whether it's, you know, your, uh, you know, a dialogue, whether that's speaking, right. Webinar, whatever it is, video, definitely. But I love that you're highlighting, okay, people do need a trailer and it's almost like the, I guess the uh, table of contents in a book, right? Where you're kind of summarizing what are they going to get at the end of this, right? Uh, And without kind of spoilers or anything, but really just painting a quick picture and then going into painting the picture as, as if they are there too, which is also amazing. So I definitely, definitely love that process and i think it's applicable for uh mm. any business really right and i think that's that's the amazing part so um i want to actually talk a little bit also about uh you know i think as far as your choice in the outdoor space right uh how can people you know it's one thing i think your for you to have kind of tied audio engineering cuz it seems like you're absolutely skilled in that like if people are looking for to be able to maybe dabble in something that's that's similar and could just kind of follow along your 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 lead there like what can people do as far as uh, yeah i want to try to kind of put out a trailer out there for my business or what whatever like you know aside from obviously engaging with you what are some quick kind of techniques that people can do to make their content more engaging and share it with their audience yeah it's um probably the biggest tip if you're only just starting in this kind of thing is don't get too bogged down in the gear it's way more important to have incredible content than it is to have incredible quality um apart from audio that's usually pretty important especially when it comes to something like this like a podcast if it sounds terrible people will generally turn off yeah but there's a there's a certain like threshold there's a level to it where as long as the gear is okay it doesn't have to be fantastic as long as the content is of incredible quality. So it's really way more about the story. It's way more about what you have to say. It's way more about what the message you have to share than it is about getting the absolute best gear. And I think that frightens or it freezes a lot of people's process and a lot of people's um, ability to deliver what they're creating because they think it's not good enough. Whereas really, I think if the story and if the content or your message is strong enough and you think it's an engaging Um, story or or piece of content just put it out even if you think the video quality is not great because people will engage with stories every single time and that rings true when you just look through an instagram feed and you see something that's got over maybe a a couple of hundred thousand likes usually the video quality is pretty average but there's something hilarious going on in the video (laughs) you know or there's like a really a really fun storyline and that's even true on youtube too so um I mean, yeah. that'd be my, that'd be my biggest piece of advice. Apart from that, um, technically, if you wanted to 
get started in something like this and just put out a quick trailer for your business, apart from writing a great storyline or, or having a strong message, um, just even with your phone, just grab your phone and then grab something from um, Rode, which is R-O-D-E. They do a bunch of great microphones and a huge amount of solutions for creators for video. And yeah. they have like really cheap microphones all the way up to really expensive microphones. And they'll definitely be able to sort you out with something there. So that's cool. That's amazing. I love that. I think the opportunities out there for anyone and everyone, I feel like we're living in this really embarrassment of riches in some ways, right? This is like, I can't even think like just 20 years ago, I can't even imagine doing all this stuff and having all having access to all of these things. I think it's pretty pretty cool so uh simon thank you so much for sharing all of your insights believe it or not we are at the conclusion of our conversation can you share with the audience what uh where they can find you and how they can connect with you yeah absolutely i would love it if you've uh, enjoyed my story to head over to vast expeditions on youtube it is vast with a double a because we wanted to stand out of course <laughs> so v a a s t expeditions on youtube we have our entire season one up there at and kind of like what to pack in your bag videos for those treks we've done as well so if you're interested in anything i've been saying so that'd be amazing if you could head over there and, and check us out very cool. Simon, thanks for being on the podcast. Make sure that you follow and subscribe. Bruce Oliver's Let's Do This.